1: special guest this week we also have uh we have draymond back with the warriors everything's good everything's copacetic (laughs) uh that eye roll won't play well on a podcast but if you guys could have seen it it was a pretty massive one every time i gotta hear draymond nowadays it's it's obvious hey hey i feel like a coach i call myself coach Lou, but it's also good to get a real coach on the on the on the line here to talk some real hoops which is what i'm excited for from b-ball breakdown we got coach nick here uh nick how you doing uh,
2: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So um, I think I, I don't, Andy and I, I are pretty burnt out on this topic, but let's just get it out of the way and start on it. Draymond, the team decided not to suspend Draymond. It seems like the veterans kind of took the lead here, uh, letting him come back today was his first day at practice. We're recording this Thursday afternoon after the Warriors practice, which was what in the morning. Um, Do you have, where where are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is going to continue to be a lingering thing with him and pool, or are we
2: just, are we, are we going to laugh about this in a couple of weeks as we just move farther away from it? Well, you know, I, it's, I've been talking with on Twitter a little bit and had a couple of tweets that, that were whatever they were controversial or not, but you know, if you're around teams at any level, you're, you're going to see fights, people get into fights. It's a, it's not an office situation where, you know, you have people who are uh, paid to be very physical and smash into each other on a daily basis. And you're going to have that competitiveness that's going to erupt from time to time. Uh, Poole and Draymond uh, do this every day. And I'm sure you'd probably talk about this. No one reacted in the very beginning of that clip because no one thought it was anything more than just typical trash talk that they've seen every day for probably three straight years. Um, No one wants to back down. Everyone wants to be a competitor and all that stuff. So the the question really is, and I had posed this on Twitter, I said, you know, a lot of times or sometimes or however often it happens, these kind of incidents could, in theory, deepen the relationship between everybody because they spent an entire week having heart to heart talks and probably some sort of therapy versions of talks with either big groups and small groups and really just discussing and communicating in ways they probably wouldn't have done another way. Would Steve Kerr have probably preferred to have toned it down and told them to stop it like a few weeks before so it wouldn't erupt into this? Probably. Does he can't, yeah, is he in that can't stand draymond mode a lot of the time probably um so i think that there's a possibility that this actually like the movie version is in like uh goodwill hunting where robin williams says it's not your fault it's not your fault like jordan pool says listen I, I i forgive you i believe that you are sincere in your apology uh we were talking so much trash it was a thing you know and they hug it out and it, they actually they, they get to a deeper level of uh of a relationship and that actually could be good Yeah, it does
1: seem to me, and by the way, we still haven't heard from Jordan Poole. Not that he's uh, the biggest talker uh, in terms of to the media or anything like that, but like you, you keep getting the sentiment, like he doesn't think it's that big a deal. Like he's used to this sort of thing, maybe not lunging at him the way Draymond did, but like, it's not his first scuffle in a practice, maybe for, for lack of a better term. Uh, And almost the vets are the ones who are more annoyed that the whole thing happened. Like, they're like, you we expect more out of you, Draymond. Like they're the ones who are a little yeah, more. Yeah, I, I think part part of it too, and, and I think it's become pretty obvious uh, with some of the quotes that are coming out. In this is uh, the most important part to Steph and the team is like, hey, let's just let's just win a championship. Um, we I think they probably know at this point, Draymond's not going to be here for the rest of his career as a Warrior, and Jordan Poole is about to sign a contract extension for wh- however many years, right? So um, I, I do I do think that. You know, it was kind of like a 50-50 shot that he would stay long term. Talking about Draymond, maybe this kind of brings that down to 25%. I, I, I do or, think that's part of it now. It doesn't help. But for the Warriors, or they, sake, uh, or they win a title and he can't walk away from the chance at a three peat You know, yeah, yeah. Where's he gonna go? Is he gonna play for a crappy team for $10 million a year? Right. So like maybe that's part of it too. But I think from the Warriors' perspective, it's like, man, this has happened not once, not twice, not, not as as Braun says, not three times, not four times. This has happened many times, uh, for the Warriors. So it's it's a hey, let's 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 get together. Let's win a championship. We're talking the fifth. Right? Like, we're not talking about the one championship, too. Like This is the fifth. So I think I think that to your point, Coach Nick, is like they're going to they're going to figure it out this year. After that, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea.
2: Sure. That's, that's actually very interesting to think about him not being there and then, and then Poole being there. Um, and, you know, again, I just feel like uh, these things are, are, are probably more common. And I, I think probably the bigger thing that maybe the veterans were also concerned with was the fact that the video leaked. Right. Um, because, you know, people want to say they're trying to minimize it and do whatever. Well, of course they are. Every team would try and minimize that and try, you know, uh, hit to the uh, punch to the head like that. It was pretty severe. So um, and just just parenthetically, you know, there are an, uh, it's not just the internal warrior staff that has access to those cameras. Just FYI, um, it could very well be, uh, you know, I think someone else had been intimating, like, you know, Synergy has access to those cameras as well. Um, so it well, might I hadn't not thought, I hadn't be thought about
1: synergy, but that's interesting. We, my oh, my God. working theory was security someone you know, chase center employee who has security because it looked more like a security cam to me.
2: No, oh, no, oh, you think that's that's pure. Coach I think it's film? a practice camera, okay. Um, but I can't imagine the security getting into wherever they needed to get into to get their phone to film the screen. I don't know, it's who knows what interesting buying technology these days, but still, it would seem to me. Uh, someone would have to have access to it and then quickly film it. But I, I don't know. I, I wonder if they're going to get down to the bottom of it because, um, you know, it, it, this is, you know, th- that can't happen. You, you simply cannot have this happen. This is like, you know, not Mar-a-Lago documents or anything like that, but like it's. It be
1: <laughs> Can you explain? Uh, it's pretty obvious to Andy and I, but it's a question we've got a lot and might as well get a coach's perspective on this. Why it's so damaging to have the video leak like the the common thing is why are they more concerned about the video leaking than the punch itself, which is an inaccurate way of framing it but like you heard the way Steve Kerr talked with the video,
2: can you explain why he would be so upset. Well, I mean, I think the biggest issue is you, you like to believe you have, a, you know, and that is independent of like basketball. It's just like mm-hmm. you're working at a company and you like to think that that's some people who have access to that, that footage you just simply couldn't do it, wouldn't do it, believe, you know, it, it's just it's in-house. Now, Kerr also probably believes that like the sacred the, the sacredness of the practice facility and whatever, people don't get sure. a chance to get in there and really see anything. You know, you never see official practice footage of any team ever. So that that violated that kind of uh, wall they'd like to have up. But I mean, listen, it's also egg on their face because no one had known how severe it was until we now know and, um, I mean, there there's a notion that maybe did Poole get, like, knocked out uh, a little bit? Like, was he still conscious for a few minutes after that? We know that he was shooting around after practice, smiling, trying to get back to normalcy. So, he didn't obviously feel like, you know, or or if he did feel how, how strange and awkward it was going to be, he was determined to, like, get back to normal. We, we
1: watched him play. He didn't have, like, a visible sign of a black eye or anything like that.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's a blip. The irony being that, you know, Kerr and Jordan had gotten into one of these things, too, which, it might have ever been well been similar to what happened here. Um, and and he he probably understands that better than most of like, oh, I know the point I was gonna make was the whole thing about the the um suspension or lack of suspension for the Warriors to me, it would have been really easy just, just, just to suspend him anyway. No one would think twice about whatever the three, two, four games during the beginning of the year before it's crucial games in the season. Right. So that was weird to me. They could have just done that in the easy way out and then just sort of done what everyone was expecting them to do and not not disrupted anything. And they didn't do that and then invited even more scrutiny.
1: I think my guess there would be that the Warriors realize we don't give a crap what other people think. We only care what the locker room thinks. And I think that's what they tried to do by saying, hey, locker room gets to decide. If, if, if Steph and Andre and Looney decide that Draymond should be out three games, He's out three games. And obviously, Pool. should be out three games. He should be out three games. But if they don't, then I think to them, it's like, yeah, we don't care about making, you know, Andy and, and you know, LeBron People James are gonna one, make two, three, those four. Comments. People exactly. are going to make those comments no matter what. So why even try to? Steve's job is to make sure those guys like. there are happy, not not Twitter trolls like me. So <laughs> I, that's what I think. That's what I think. Uh, he doesn't care. Obviously, he doesn't look great. And, and honestly, if, if Jordan Poole and Draymond don't care, then. Then that's all he cares about.
2: Well, the big question becomes is does Draymond kind of become neutered in a way and not doesn't have that edge because he's afraid of like going over the over over the edge a robot. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And so
2: that was their edge. That was their advantage, right? That he he's one of the only guys in the NBA that I know that could lose his SHIT and still like kind of play and execute on the offensive end. He's not it's wild. It's wild how he can do that, by the way. That's like I don't
1: think enough people bring that up. It's like, it's not commonplace to completely freak out and then act like nothing happened on the next possession. Usually yeah, he'll,
2: he'll make a beautiful pass or he'll get a steal. He's not, you know, most players will be out of it for a couple minutes where they have to get back to regulate, regulated uh, emotional states. And uh, he's the one guy. So if he doesn't, if he's not tapping into that, like maybe because he's afraid or whatever this out of this whole thing, does that, you know, make him less effective and less, you know, on top of everybody to make sure that they're doing their job? Because that's the other big part of his Defensive presence—that is something we have to keep our eye on.
1: Yeah, I I feel like we've probably exhausted this right. topic. And I think we're ready to move on. We've officially, you know, move we've it. eaten our vegetables. We're ready to move on. <laughs> um, get to more fun stuff. So, uh, Nick, we were actually about to have you on last week, but then Punchgate blew up, and uh, you know, we had to respond to it. You have an interesting take, and one I uh, I think our listeners would be curious about. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with it, but you seem to believe James Wiseman has higher upside and will be a better player than Evan
2: Mobley. Can you Ooh. walk us through that? Okay, you want to bring this in? Okay, because listen. I I, he's had, Why, by the way, I, I think everyone can
1: say Wiseman's had a very – uh, positive preseason. Good to see him healthy. Good. Like you could see a lot of the flashes in preseason, but let's start here. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, well, about-
2: yeah. We'll, we'll, well, I'll get Mobley into it too. We can, we can light him on fire at some point, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but Wiseman I've been saying since he like got there that he is a future all-star I've saw enough in glimpses of just what he could do from a movement pattern situation at seven feet tall. And all we've seen this preseason is him. I mean, he moves down the court from defense to offense, Incredibly quickly for his, a guy his size, and that's going to stretch the defense even more when you have a guy like Steph, who you have to be really worried about coming across half court. So, and um, everything we've seen, we've seen him hit a couple threes we're seeing really beautiful touch around the rim. I mean, he has the kind of finishing ability that like, you know, Looney could only pray for and never get achieved or close and neither can Draymond. So you have, you had know, two guys who were, got him a championship last year who were pretty poor finishers around the rim and just couldn't handle, you know, bigger players around. And now you got a guy who ultimately will be an elite finisher. I, I have no doubt about that based on what he, we've seen him do so far and how his progression is going to go. And, you know, when you see like, the way he takes um, how seriously he takes the job. He really focuses like when he's in those practices and he's doing even mundane drills, he is doing them as hard as he possibly can. He's listening to the coaches. He's really, you know, uh, he's one of those guys and those guys generally will develop quick and, and have a big impact. So I think he's, he's, you know, he's a stripping on both ends.
1: So the defensive side is the part where my ears perk up because If he's going to play in the playoffs, he needs to be able to defend like it's centers who can't defend fall out of the rotation by game three, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's honestly been the part that still hasn't progressed. He's barely played. So it's it's not like a red flag or anything for me at this point, but it's like when you're watching him, he, he still seems very far away on that end. And that is the part of basketball where I would say Evan Mobley is freakishly good for how young he is. So, okay. so let's let's talk about this. And, and I think
2: you're trying, talking about like playoffs. Luca is going to force a switch. Now Wiseman's got to guard him in space. And like, how's that going to go? Basically, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, or just th- general
1: or just general rotations. I mean, the Warriors played, I don't know, seven or eight different defensive coverages in every game. And they're switching between man to zone to various things like you have to be able to kind of process the game at a pretty high speed to be able to play at that level
2: yeah but remember his position generally there is going to be some notion of around the basket cutting off angles to the hoop you know mm-hmm. protecting the rim so it's a little less complicated sometimes for that position even though that you know at some point you're going to be stuck out in the perimeter too and dealing with switches but so but and i i think that he will develop first of all he's got probably one of the best tutors of all time in draymond in his ear right the whole time and i and that is also half of the last week yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but but when you watch Draymond do that, like he he, I don't know if he ever wants to be a coach, but he knows how to communicate those things. Because it's like I kind of want to pull Draymond aside one day to find out how he became like that good as a quarterback in the defensive end. And could you actually teach that? We're going to find that out with like with Wiseman because he's a really willing pupil. And, um, and so, but you know, that, that is a question and that this is the embarrassment of riches that the Warriors have because they have a player in, in Looney that has already proven time and again, that he can handle guards on those switches, for instance, in the playoffs when they try and do that. So, like, they're not, in theory, they're not even going to have to rely on him this year anyway for the playoffs. But maybe they can, in spot moments, give him some of that crucial experience because that's really what it is. Until he sees Dane Lillard, it was too bad that Dane didn't play. Like, he, we got to see him against, you know, the top guards doing that a little bit. He needs uh, reps against it. He needs to get burned a few times, too, to, like, to feel that. And so I'm willing to reserve a little bit of judgment on that one until we see, you know, 10 games of it in the regular season. Um, you know, before I say it's it's not fair. working that well.
1: So I would I would say Draymond's innate defensive abilities are probably unteachable, but Looney, I mean, to your point, where Looney was when he was drafted, mm-hmm. had no idea that he would become uh, an insane switchable big, and I'm not sure if that was innate. I do feel like that was a lot of it was teachable. So if you were to project that onto James Wiseman, who, like you said, is twice his size, um, uh, could longer. average 18 points a game just because he's James Wiseman. Uh, yeah if you if you give him looney's defensive capabilities i I would say i would say yes but also in watching mobley and you probably watch him a lot more than i do i do think he has a lot of that like bam at a bio Draymond green level of like dude i can just i just know how to play defense versus versus uh a wiseman's thing and so maybe yeah i was gonna say innate versus teachable is always like one of my favorite conversations because it does feel like with with mobley it's just innate yeah i never feel like you could teach what Draymond can do that stuff is absurd like I the Warriors aren't winning a championship today if, if Draymond's off this team, even though it's it's funny to make fun of him. Um, but uh, but I it's, I find that one interesting uh because you're 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 saying a lot of it is offensive in terms of what Wiseman can do that Mobley can't. As much as great as Mobley is, it's not like this dude is gonna. I think at Mobley's peak, he's not averaging 20 points, right? Like he's not a focal point of an offensive offensive set or system.
2: Well, I got in huge trouble uh, last year on Twitter <laughs> when I had thought, when I said something about Mobley, like not really being a, a rookie of the year uh, candidate necessarily at the top, top. I guess I was spoiled a little bit from like Luca coming in as a rookie being really polished and I, I was sort of I guess in my mind I kind of had a certain level of offensive ability that I was expecting someone to have but when I went through the, the mobile footage at that point, probably a month and a half two months into the season I was like this guy's footwork isn't really great. He doesn't really have much of the jump shot it, it, the ball handling. None of those things were really there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, besides the fact that he is overwhelming defensively, there's you can't take that away from him. And again, those guys that are that long and that are quick like that, yeah, there doesn't. No, you could be a step and a half behind the rotation that you're supposed to be, and then make up for it, right? And block the shot anyway. That's what's so unfair, I guess, about having and even Draymond isn't in that in that realm as well a little bit because he's got long arms. So there's no question that like th- th- that he's got the impact on defense is there is severe for Mobley, but we I think we all can agree that offense is more important like I we can maybe argue about like what percentage uh, th- those break out into. And I don't know if I'm if I'm going to compare like the offense of Wiseman to offense of Mobley. I don't think it's close. And then okay, how much different is Mobley defensively than Wiseman, and does that gap get c- closed completely because of the value of offense?
1: And maybe that's maybe that's where I differ with you on it. Because for a center, I'm going to say defense is more important than offense. Um, and maybe that's just like the bias of having watched the warriors continually win with centers who average four points a game. Um, but like have defensive value. Um, uh, but kidding, I, I right, could see your, right. I could see your point where Wiseman is more polished offensively and he could probably average like when they're both 27, 28 years old, Wiseman's probably uh, averaging more points per game and kind of more of a kind of primary option.
2: Although it's tough because in that position, you know, you have to sure. rely on someone to get you the ball generally, unless you're Wembinaya, Wembinaya, um, or someone like that or whatever the future league is going to be. Uh, so that's going to be tough because both those guys are going to benefit a lot from that uh, dump off passes off, you know, off of drives and then dunks. Sure. So they're going to get their eight points again, that way, whatever it's going to be. And then they can fill in from there. But, you know, I think uh, we'll, we'll see. I let I'll, I'll challenge, let's challenge Mobley to like, to continue to improve and get there. Um, And, and we'll find out I, though, Let's see. Mobley is, do we know the age difference by the way?
1: Probably- uh, I think it's one year. Um, I'll give you the exact answer in in a second. They're okay. one year, one year apart in terms of draft class. Um
2: so well Mobley is um Oh
1: actually it's really just four months in terms or three months in terms oh, of uh in terms of
2: actual yeah. age. So Mobley was Mobley was old for his grade. Yeah. Okay. So, and and then he has a whole year of college uh that, that Wiseman really didn't get. So sure. Um that's that's that's, that's kind of big. Um right. as guys like Kaminga, who you know <laughs> imagine Kaminga had started playing when he was eight.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. No, okay. I mean it's a it's it'll be interesting to monger um it, it's definitely uh interesting to to talk about i, I i'm I just think, gonna be my ears I think, oh, it. yeah i mean I, I think it's fascinating too because i everything you hear about mobley is always how great how great he is um but maybe there is sometimes i mean we're seeing wiseman the, the some of the finishes some of the touches i didn't really know they do have a great coach too, who who looks like he's he turned looney into to a great great lockdown defender last year so i you know that that's an interesting one
2: a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: There's also a couple other takes Sam, I know you want to bring up from uh, from Kondich that we should probably move this to that I think are uh, are fascinating. Uh, oh. Yeah, um no, I think that was the uh that was the scandalous one. Um <laughs> you had a well it's, not, it's scandalous not even the right word, but um just, we'll call it a hot take. Um you also said um you think the Warriors might be this. the most improved team yeah. of 2022 2023, which catches people off guard because they didn't make any People think improvement always has to be like the big Donovan Mitchell trade or some sort right. of free agent acquisition. What is your case for the Warriors being the most improved team from last year to this year?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, the, the, this is usually the worst offseason we ever had, I think, in the NBA, So since I started covering it. There was almost oh. nothing to cover. Uh, the biggest you know, trade was, was uh, well, I guess Mitchell or uh, Jalen Brunson going to Knicks. And so, and yeah, it's not and just the KD like, holding pattern, you know, which yeah, and was K-T, ultimately well, a nothing bad. Yeah, that yeah. was frustrating. Nothing happened out of that. Um, although, again, I, I'm on the record saying we deserve to see Simmons, KD, and Kyrie. I want to see this and how it's oh, yeah. working out, and we're slowly yeah. getting that that glimpse. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Like, if you're looking at the improvement, and, you know, I had a unique insight into seeing, you know, a little bit of what they were, you know, how they were doing on, on the court a little bit behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy like and Moses Moody, okay, again, everything is cured when you play the Blazers, I suppose. But Moses Moody w- was on display uh, against the Blazers. And when you see... You know, it's like the last dragon syndrome where the guy or maybe the you Neo know, in the Matrix, they realize they're the master. They get at the face. Um, you know, you can see it in their body movement. They are a lot more uh, comfortable. They're a lot more um, confident. I saw it in Jordan Poole last year during training camp, and that's when I did a video on him saying he's going to shift the balance of power in the West. And I think that kind of bore out. Yeah. Um and so Moody to me looks to be another one of those guys and the precedent has been set across the board for the development that the Warriors have done over these years. So uh you got Moody's improvement there's no question he's better. You have Kaminga is going to still be is going to drive everybody crazy, right? He's going to make an amazing play one time and then just baffle you uh, three times in a row. Uh that's going to be up and down for another season. And then Wiseman we kind of went over Wiseman's improvement and then they added Dante DiVincenzo and they added um I mean, even, even like Jamichael Green. There's somebody else I'm missing, right? Or no?
1: Mm, uh,
2: that might but, be Jamichael Green
1: and Dante DiVincenzo were yeah. really the only veterans. Clay and Draymond healthy, healthy are yeah. the other ones. And, and, and oh, right, Clay, healthy.
2: Clay healthier, right? Yeah. And Draymond's hopefully his back is fine. So yeah. all of a sudden you're looking around, going like, "Geez, you know, I mean, did the Mavericks improve more by adding Christian mm-hmm. Wood or something like, like maybe?" But I think the art, and that's why I said. The argument is there that they actually improved as much or more than anybody else. Um and I, I think I honestly think we're gonna and what's so scary about that is it just won the freaking title. So, you know, and here here they're gonna and by the way, Jordan Poole, he's probably a little bit better this year, right? He's still on the trajectory up. So if you factor all those things in, you know, and then you still have Steph Curry who's gonna be Steph Curry, you know, I I I don't see how you pick against them at this point if you're trying to talk about like, you know, you know, the odds of who's gonna win a title.
1: Yeah, um it is a uh it is an interesting, it is an interesting case. And I'm gonna be honest, like the whole last week with the Draymond thing makes me like, will they be better? What's what's gonna go on with them in any capacity? But let's talk about those additions of like Dante and you mentioned Moses Moody. You see Moody being like kind of I don't want to say this year's Jordan Poole, but kind of like the breakout candidate for them a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, the, you see him so comfortable now running the offense real quick where, you know, their bread and butter play is the the low post split where they throw the ball to yeah. the low post and then two guards run, you know, set one sets of the screen for the other. He hit a three against the the Blazers. It wouldn't matter who, who was playing. He coming off that screen full speed to his left, catching and shooting. If he can do that and look like and it, it just looked perfect. He looked like he was working on it. He looked like it was very natural. And those are the kind of plays he'll get. He'll be able to shoot a high percentage from three, but then he puts the ball down on the ground. He had a euro down on the baseline. Uh in against Portland that was like just high level footwork. High what level. do you
1: think his upside is? Like highest level of a player, like you know, play? I don't know. Yeah. Would you, right. somebody has seen Chris Middleton? His handle's like a lot better than, than you would think. Like Clay's never really had a handle.
2: Oh like. wait re- okay let me let me time out time out for that <laughs> so i just did a video on steph and how he broke the nba and i basically right. des- i described how he's how he started out he was playing like a very traditional guard and then he slowly right. moved on but when clay comes is when you first see the first jump in his three point frequency but what i didn't realize was he was putting the ball on the ground he was he a, a real threat and everyone would mm-hmm. look toward him and then he'd be able to get the ball moving for Steph to get some extra threes so i think that i think we've forgotten i think we've forgotten that clay actually puts the ball down and when he came back after his couple injuries i it, correct me if i'm wrong it felt to me like he was putting the ball on the ground yes. a lot more and yes. a lot more proficiently yes. right so we have that now. We have the dribbling Clay too. So, mm-hmm. but, so, but, but again, Moody might actually be a little bit better, more natural with that now at age twenty-two, whatever he is. Yep. Certainly, compared to Clay was at twenty-two. And uh, again, like it's like it's just not. It's kind of not fair, right? It's not fair for the Warriors to be able to have this because no other team is going to have like uh, that. Have these guys like that? Are
1: you concerned that they don't have enough front court depth though? Because that's the that's the one question for me. It's like, look, Looney and Draymond are phenomenally reliable. Um, but after that it's, you know, Jamichael Green, he brought in, I think he's going to fit well. And then it's Wiseman who missed all of last year and Jonathan Kuminga, who is he a three, is he a four? Uh, he's also like, you know, barely just not a teenager anymore. You know, it's, it's, are they too thin up front? Cause I, I cause I totally get it from a Moody, Dante pool. Like they're, all those guys fit what the Warriors want to do so well, and they should feel like a machine when they're getting out in transition.
2: Well, here's the question: Is what how many how many like legitimate NBA players in the front court do you need to feel like you're deep enough? How many? What's the number? I mean, it's look a, at the the Clippers <laughs> have Zubac and who the Nuggets have
1: Jokic and who. I'm just I'm like genu- genuinely asking like who do they maybe two centers they have that can, that's playable. Okay. Two centers, a couple, you know, two to three big wings. Like I I don't know, is what's what's Marcus Morris and Nicholas Batum? Are they bigs? Yeah. <laughs> Andrew kind. Wiggins are is guarding them right angle. Yeah. So I guess that's always been a and Wiggins, yeah.
2: So, so okay. I mean, so if you had four players that could can, that could really, you know, fit in well and contribute the way you want them to in, on a team in the front court, I think you'd be doing okay to, to well. Well, okay, if you want to talk about Looney and Draymond, that's two right there, who won the title and were in cogs or instrumental, even though they don't have to produce offensively in terms of scoring. Uh Kaminga, you know, he's he's legi- going to be legit. He's legit you know, somewhere. But then, you know, Demichael Green's a big X Factor. I think he will ultimately decide how deep yeah. they are in that sense because either he's the corpse of himself or he's a guy that can you know we, we saw him hit a three in the corner which he can do replace auto uh, porter yeah right it, but porter was probably more mobile uh, in some degree uh and and so but but he'll ha- he'll surprise me if he does do that but there is it's reasonable i don't by the way do we know his age I, he might be 32 right 31 he's probably oh, see, not even i think almost 30 almost i want to say almost 34 30, oh, 32
1: oh, oh i'm way off he's 32
2: Yeah, Yeah. so it's like, like he seems older, right? He seems like he's 35. Um, And so, you know, it's like JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee is probably, is he he 30, 31, something crazy like that? Um, Anyway, some of these guys sometimes feel like they're a lot older. 34.
3: 34.
2: 34. So, wow. you know, so Michael Green could be the X factor there that could determine whether or not they end up having like the really good depth they're looking for. But again, Wiseman, in my mind, is going to give him the 20, 22 minutes a game of really interesting. Just like he can turn the game around. He can block a couple shots, grab, get some offensive rebounds, Uh, you know, roll for some great uh lobs for dunks. You know, like him and DiVincenzo are really kind of hooking up now on that, uh on that end, in, in the second, uh, with the second five. So you'd see a lot of I think that they have what they need and um, and it wouldn't have to really do much to to upgrade that. So, yeah, he's 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 in his end of his prime, uh, you know, whatever his prime is, whatever <laughs> he has, yeah. He's way more athletic than I thought. Like Otto Porter.
1: Oh, like, well, just just up and down, just up and down. Like I saw him go for a two handed duck and I'm like, dude, I didn't see Otto Porter do that a single time uh, last year, at least up and down. So I'm interested about this since it's, it seems like you're bullish uh, on the Warriors. Uh, a lot more than I think a lot of media is because I do feel like a lot of the media do love the the Clippers. I think that's like the darling this season. It's like the Clippers. So do you like if you were to pick or maybe you can talk about why you do or don't believe in the Clippers, because I do feel like that's the one we can all talk about Denver yeah. and Boston but we know those teams but I think the Clippers is what I want to focus on like your, your thoughts on that
2: team I'm listening I love the Clippers too on paper um I I took a dive into the, um to Kawhi's you know uh possessions a little bit to see what's going on with him you know in the uh you know on the offensive end and it, it's not good Bob uh, you know sorry it's not great Bob to quote the to wow uh, uh right now I mean look at him he's rusty he's rusty as hell mm-hmm. um now that's completely normal um, it is completely acceptable to be really rusty after that long of a break uh, and then trying to work your way back in. So if he can do that, and by the way, he's kind of playing a, sort of a role-player role in the offense, which is kind of cool. Like he wants to spot up in the corner and then lift to the wing, and then they'll, they'll 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 skip it to him and he'll just shoot a three or whatever. That's that's a nice thing to have when you're throwing it to Kawhi Leonard. Um, meanwhile, Paul George is absolutely terrific and, and really has – without Kawhi found himself on that team too. So that's going to be the interesting dynamic is how are they going to play off each other? But if you had to pick two players that, wouldn't have issues these are the two guys they're not going to get into a big pissing match about who's the man who's going to have to you know uh dribble the ball more drive more um and then you fill in everybody else around them i mean they 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 are probably as well primed as anybody uh to to compete because they have a lot of everything they can go big they can go small they've got the you know uh the coach who can make terrific in-game adjustments in playoff games so I would probably be the most concerned about them, and then you know defensively they have guys that can get after it, uh, and that's that's yeah. obviously the key if you're going to try and slow down the Warriors. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's the team I would I would say uh, a veteran team. The Bucks are another one. Although the more I watch the Bucks, the more I watched them against the Nets that's last night. So old, yeah. guys, It's like um, little, I'm kind of surprised that they've never. And and like their big free agency acquisition was Joe Ingalls. Joe Engels, like, which is uh-huh. who's currently well, out with off. a torn torn ACL yeah. and he's 35, like not really addressing that you're old around Giannis issue. I don't know. Um
2: yeah, their window, they might have missed their window. I mean, they got their window. Forgive me, they got the title. Yeah, they but got that, their title. The window might have yeah. closed. But it might not yeah. be a uh,
1: five-year window. It might have been just that little two-year run they had there.
2: Yeah, yeah you know, it's interesting because you know, I had to put them, someone was like to put a gun to my head on Twitter the other day. It said, "Who said, who's the next person besides the Warriors who you think has, you know, the most chance to win? And I, and I kind of threw the bucks out there because it's hard. You can't really pick against – Giannis now, right? Has he fixed his three-point shooting a little bit? Has he fixed his free throw shooting? If he does those things, then it's like, you know, the other guys can play around him nicely. They figured out how to put that together. And then in theory, defensively, uh, they can still bring it uh, enough, uh, I think. Um, but yeah, it's weird. It does, but it does feel like maybe they that's the window is kind of passing by.
1: Couple of warriors related things we didn't get to. Um, Clay's playing tomorrow night, Friday, uh, so he will be making the season opener. Um, I was going to say, is anyone worried because just hasn't played all preseason, but it seems like it's nothing. Uh, how much, do you expect Clay to be better than he was last year, or just kind of sit at that general level? It's it, part of me thinks he'll be better, but then he's already had like a minor injury setback here and. Uh, He is older, you know, like those type of injuries at his age, like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to determine if he'll be better or just kind of the player. I, I
2: missed the injury report. What was the minor injury he had in the during preseason? I don't know. They just kept him out of everything. It, it was like it was like a mental block they said, I, quote unquote. Do you, I because don't know if I bought that is my no, is, is I, I, I would be worried. Um, huh. <laughs> I would be very worried uh huh. about him for sure. And for all the reasons you listed, and, and perhaps you know the, the fact that he hasn't been out there um and, and and looked looked like he's looked, obviously he hasn't looked like they wanted him to, or else I'm sure he would have gotten a few minutes before now. So uh, it, I would, that, that is a really big concern. Now, can they plug the other guys in and can they get up to speed quickly enough? That's going to be a big question mark. Um, and they'll have, you know, they'll have, will be games where they will be able to do that, but um, they're going to need clay to be what he was, at least what he was last year to win another title without question. Yeah. I would think that what we saw last year, which was pretty good. And then and he even had moments where you're like, Oh,
1: there it is. He, he had a few vintage games. Where you're like, I remember that guy.
2: Yeah, Yeah, right. And so I think that's probably as good as you're going to get from him. and That's probably all they need. But I wouldn't expect him to get back to anything like what we saw, like before the injuries at all. I think he's probably just going to have to be what he is, which is, you know, a uh, 75% clay or whatever that is. Interesting. Still pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was was hoping for more, but hearing some of the stuff like that is is where you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe he won't get to 90%. Maybe he'll get incrementally better. But that's where, like to your point, that's where Moses Moody and Jordan Poole come in. Because um, those are the two guard wing combos that you're going to need to get a lot, and Waka obviously, but right. yeah. those are the guys I need to get better. And Pool's yeah, the good.
2: wild card on that one, right? You have to be careful about him wanting more and more, you know, more minutes, more of everything. Um, That's why Draymond punched him, right? Well, <laughs> right, that <laughs> come on, and that, and not even like contract wise. I just think that he's going to feel like I've, I've earned this. I got a ring now. I, I want, you know, I want more. I want, to, I want to prove to everyone I can average 25 what, in this league type of
1: which stuff. Which is, which is always, you know, everybody keeps saying he's going to sign the extension. We think he's going to sign the extension, which is always interesting because if I were him, I would think, am I going to start this season or next season? Am I going to be able to close games in the postseason when it comes down to it? Because they didn't close with him last season. And uh, you can argue that that was the right move, but he played a lot of minutes. But at some point here, he's going to say, "Well, I should be playing 35 in the postseason and starting and closing." But he's going to sign a four-year extension now, and so he's going to be on this team. They're not going to trade him. So right. it's, it's just. Well, I think that's fascinating.
2: Yeah, and and the solution could very well be to bring Clay off the bench uh, because yeah, yeah right. Protected. I don't believe that for a second. But, I I mean, yeah. I would imagine that's
1: what Bob Myers is selling his representatives that like eventually. The, the changing of the guard will happen. It's sorry. It's just not happening on opening night. You know, it's, but it's yeah. like, I, who's convincing clay. Unless Clay's not on the team two years from now. Right. So
2: I don't know. I don't and know. We, you know, and who knows? Clay, Clay could win another championship. Right. And then maybe just sort of feel like, you know, 75% of me is, is I can't get any better than this. And that's good. I'll take it's my title. At some
1: yeah. point a changing of the guard is going to happen. It's just a question of, if it's going to be, um, well, it might be Draymond's position or, <laughs> or just, or like, you know, is it going to be like benevolent or is it going to be more contentious when you get there? Yeah, you know, like, right, uh, right. and, and given how proud these guys are, um, and you know, Draymond gave us a little preview. It might be more contentious <laughs> to get there than um, than true. a happy change. It might not be a Spurs situation, where they gracefully do it as as much as right. you know they want them to. But um, I, any way you slice it, they they're in a good position right now. And yes, as, as much as correct, as much as you can push that that type of stuff down the road, you do it. Yeah. Um, my my last Warriors related question was the player we haven't discussed who has high potential but doesn't really have a role right now. And that's Jonathan Kuminga. Um, they did let him start in Draymond's absence. I think part of that was wanting to keep Wiseman and um, Jamichael Green handcuffed and you know, see how Kuminga looked at power forward next to Looney. Um, and they were giving Kuminga some run with the first team um, in, in training camp here and there. But he does feel kind of like an odd man out in their rotation. Like, I just don't see where he... Uh, where where his minutes are going to come from. Uh, what are your thoughts on him this season?
2: Yeah, well, it was weird because it, it kind of seemed like he was the chosen one last year over Moody, for instance, where he was right. getting a lot more of the rotational minutes. They're not really the same position necessarily, but, you know, kind of, you know, there there was something there that could have indicated like maybe Moody would have gotten a little bit more run, but they, they chose Kaminga at that time. Um, I don't see how, that, how you stay with that based on what I've seen in the preseason so far. It feels like Moody kind of has been making better decisions and being a little more effective. Um, And so that earns him something, you know, now. uh, And then but Kaminga is just a guy like he's really just a product of, uh, you know, picking the game up late in life. And once he figures it all out, then, oh, my God, his ceiling is a lot higher than anybody's. Um, And so and and he seems like a guy who wants to absorb as much as he possibly can. But it's not you know, it's not quite clicking yet. Um, and some of the shots and some of the things he doesn't finish or some of the positions and the weird angles he takes are just, you know, things we have to iron out. So I would expect it to be you know, something very similar to what we saw last year, which was again, again, um, a lot of promise, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of, of the results where you'll see a little bit more production uh, in certain areas. But I, I, I wonder, I don't know if, if Steve Kerr is going to have the utmost confidence in him in the playoffs, you know, after the first round. You know what I mean? How- and I, I know they're going to shorten the rotations anyway, but I wonder if uh, if a guy like Moody is going to end up having yeah. a lot more of a role in the playoffs this year. And I think that's what we're all talking about anyways. What's right. the playoffs going to look like? So I wouldn't be surprised if Kaminga is, is getting less minutes than like Moody. Who do you think has more upside? Cominga or Wiseman? Oh wow. Because you like yeah, Wiseman I a lot. I would say Moody. Kuminger, <laughs> or Moody and, or, or, and, or, or we're Moody. Talking,
1: let's let's say five years down the road. So yeah. we're talking about when they are at 26, 27, you know, like yeah. really entering their own, not like this year or next year.
2: Well, I mean, I, I kind of like Wiseman's gonna be a, is a future all-star. So does Kaminga <laughs> a future all-star? Oh. Um uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, in theory, uh, the physical tools indicate to everybody that Kaminga has just the biggest upside of them all. Right. Um, yeah, prototypical and, wing. Yeah. yeah. And defensively, he he gets after it. He's like, in yeah. his, he's got a great body. He's really, you know, moves really well. Um, but, you know, I I wonder, I, I might have to pick Wiseman. It's weird. I get in some. There's a lot of Wiseman slander in this podcast. Huh? Wow.
1: <laughs> not, That's not coming you. from Sam. Coming straight from Sam. Um, <laughs> blame me, just blame me, buddy.
2: I mean, uh, I, I could be wrong. I, you know, I was a guy who said that you know Harrison Barnes was going to be the best player in the Warriors before Clay, uh, before Curry became Curry. Um, and uh, and, and who knew? You never, you know. But well, no, I just nobody like getting, knew.
1: I just like getting opposing viewpoints on this because, like, to me, no, um, true. Evan Mobley was, he's, you know. Such an exciting prospect, and I thought for a young big to be that good defensively was really impressive. So to hear someone say, like, don't don't sleep on Wiseman being better than him in three years, well, it made my ear perk up. Because uh, the Wiseman experience has been very up and down. With it, a lot That's, of down that's, that's what it is. That, that's really what it is. It's more of, like, we've seen more down, and it's, like, 80% of it's not really his fault. And so now we're seeing the upward trend, which, holy crap, uh, right. dude I might be –
2: you haven't seen a lot of down in the preseason, have you? I, I haven't seen it. I have No, he's seen talking any. about missing, like yeah, all just that like time last the, year and, and the physical oh,
1: setbacks. Yeah. And sure. year one was uh, if you a shit show. <laughs> year one was year one was Steve Kerr putting him in the uh, in the in the motion offense, which, as you can imagine, for a 19 year old kid who hasn't played in a year. Yeah. Is not necessarily best for him. I'm fascinated by the why. Uh, so you think Kaminga's got the most out of all three, though. Let's be let's be clear before we get out of here.
2: <laughs> uh, I That's mean, the guy for
1: sure. He, he, you're deciding on the 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 wing with all the tools. If he I, can know yeah, I know I'm getting together, yeah. I'm getting Success.
2: How about this? Kaminga might not ultimately be better than Wiseman if he stays in the Warriors. Ooh. Okay. If he has to play in that offense, I like that take. I like it's that. It's possible that like Kaminga ultimately doesn't whatever. But if he goes to another team and it's a little bit more wide open, a little bit more less structured and all kind of stuff, then maybe that's the that's answer where, you know, with Wiseman, yes. it's going to be more structured because that position is a little bit more structured, right? Like you kind of know exactly yes. how you're going to be able to, you know, generate your shots. And then once he starts shooting threes, which I think he will within whenever he is, he's going to start this year, probably. Uh, you know, that the world will be his oyster uh for the most part. And Kaminga might ultimately struggle enough where you know it might just be better for him to get into like a strictly pick and roll offense that's uh allows him to get downhill a lot
1: easier i agree the funny thing is um you, you said you know uh wiseman slander but i've i think i've been consistent with this take i think it's i think it's uh far more likely wiseman is a good player in the nba uh but kuminga kuminga is the higher ceiling to be a great great player but also a significantly higher chance of um being one of those guys who never puts it together, like it's it's hard to see James Wiseman not at least hitting a baseline of productivity with the tools and the defined role and who we we think he's capable of being with just health and time. Right. Like Miles Turner gets paid a ton; he's about to get traded to the Lakers. And Miles Turner is the definition of mediocre. Like at the very nah, least, you would relax. think Wiseman. You would think at the very least, Wiseman gets to and above that level, and he's six inches taller. So
2: you know, I just whoa. Oh, he's just taller than Kaminga. Well, Miles Turner, Turner—a little bit of an exaggeration. Up. Yeah, <laughs>
1: okay. yeah, but like he's just—he's—he's he's just at the very least is going to be a bigger version of of Miles Turner, which is a lot of money in the NBA. But also, it's—it's it's to Sam's point: what if Kaminga just becomes like a a bigger J, Jalen Brown, right? Like well, he figures it out and just becomes a bigger Jalen Brown, which is. That's like a tier, like that's a 1B superstar in the in the NBA and the NBA final. We just saw Jalen Brown look really good in the finals. Well, up until game five. So Three three and a half yeah. games the finals.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the coolest thing about all this is is to, if they could keep it all together, and then everyone's right. patient enough, it would be <laughs> so awesome to watch this run. And I, I sound like a homer at this point, but what are you gonna do? Uh, you know, you watch this run with Steph and Clay and Draymond, and then they very smoothly transition to probably a whole different level. And who knows that maybe Kerr will transition too. But you can then <laughs> start a whole new uh, era uh, with Poole, Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody. You know, again, there, what other team is positioned like this? The last time I could think about it was probably when Bird and McHale were there in Boston and then they had Reggie Miller and then they had Len Bias was supposed to be that next version. You guys are too young to remember that. But like they had a chance to sort of extend this into a whole nother dynasty. Uh, I, I, You know, the Warriors, maybe not dynasty, but they'll probably they, they would be very good. Right. Like, like 28, 29 year old Moody Kaminga. That's a really good team. And Poole. Uh, that would be a really good team. I game. also
1: think it's easier to buy in on the two timeline thing after last season, like all of last year it always felt like you're really going to throw away a title, trying to chase like both, you know, like just go yeah. all in, just go <laughs> all in. And, and it, it turns out, they didn't have to turns how, out, well, turns out we were, were actually underrating Steph. Curry. We were surprised. Yes, we were, <laughs> we did not pick. Neither Samurai um, before the season started. And and now that, you know, they've proven that they can do it and that, you know, as long as their vets are healthy, they got as just as good a chance as anyone. It does make it a little more fun to like not, you know, not take every like growth um game where it's like you know james wiseman regresses or kuminga looks completely lost is like what are they doing why don't they trade these guys and just get some veterans you know
2: here's so, a question okay. for you real quick before we have to go mm-hmm. uh who what what has the more chance to torpedo a season the uh Aiden and um uh uh gosh the coach um monty, monty williams, williams whatever that is or draymond and pool <laughs> which one is more likely to torpedo
1: because they've already they've already done it. They already torpedoed us. They haven't achieved anything either. Um, I've watched Draymond like borderline try to fight Steve Kerr, and they still win a title. You know, actually yeah. fought him. Um, there's yeah. a uh, not saying it's uh, you know advisable or like what we want to see happen, but the Warriors have proven that they can compartmentalize in ways that the Suns haven't.
2: Yeah, and one day we'll get that tell-all book to find out exactly what happened because, man, is that an epic collapse and then uh, into oblivion. Every
1: every 20 years, we get a 10-part documentary where Steve Kerr gets punched, right? Steve Steve Kerr (laughs) has got... He's going to have the best biography, uh, like... Than, than anybody in nba oh
2: he, listen i've heard some stories about him growing up that you won't believe around uh, basketball too like being like playing like in egypt and stuff With you yeah. know with his, with his traveling with his family across the globe so yes that book uh, will be something wow. that we have to wait for uh hopefully not too long but <laughs> not, i, I he's, he's not he's not preparing to write it yet but we're, i can't wait to read that one amazing Amazing.
1: I mean, you, you. By the way, this this podcast has been sponsored by Joe Lacob, uh, and, and, and his, uh and his just pause it and just and we're just trying to get the vibes back on track after the last <laughs> week had been just. I, honestly, I could do without having. A, good
2: decisions. Again, these things happen up more than we know, and it really, it, you know, doesn't have to be. It's blown up as it as it had to. Be, so just just know that. Golden State Warriors. Coach Nick, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much.